I invite you to turn with me in your Bibles, and if you don't have one handy, there's some on the end of the pews to Mark chapter 4. We'll be looking at Mark chapter 4 this morning. As we turn there, uh, uh, thankful for uh, Harrison Hatfield uh, uh, preaching uh, to our congregation last week, and thankful for the opportunity I had to go up to uh, Chicagoland and be a part of the uh, establishment service of a church there that my good friend Chad Lewis, a 20-year-long uh, friend who was, uh, we were best man in each other's wedding, uh, worked for the same college ministry, met on our very first day at our pagan campus of Washington University in St. Louis, uh, both uh, launched church plants about the same time. Just really exciting to see God's work going forth on the north side of Chicago, uh, just as we see uh, new church plants and new churches being established here, just as we've had a chance to hear from the Rockwells about the work that they're doing, beginning to, to uh, toll that soil down there in Peru. And one day I know praying that a church would be uh, established there as well. Uh, I'm thankful for the opportunity I had to, to go up and be a part of that, and good to be back with you this week. We're all looking at Mark chapter 4, continuing in our series through this uh, gospel of Mark. I invite you to stand with me and read along silently as I read aloud uh, this parable of the sower. As we're seeing growth in these church plants, as we're hearing about growth, even rudimentary growth uh, in Peru, we read this parable about the Lord's work in bringing about His spiritual growth. Mark 4, beginning verse 1. And Jesus began to teach beside the sea, and a very large crowd gathered about him so that he got into a boat and sat in it on the sea. The whole crowd was beside the sea on the land. And he was teaching them many things in parables, and teaching, he said to them, in his teaching, he said to them, Listen, a sower went out to sow, and as he sowed, some seed fell along the path, and the birds came and devoured it. Other seed fell along the rocky ground where it did not have much soil, and immediately it sprang up, since it had no depths of soil. And when the sun rose, it was scorched, and since it had no root, it withered away. Other seed fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked it, and it yielded no grain. And other seeds fell into good soil, And produce grain growing up and increasing and yielding thirtyfold, sixtyfold, and a hundredfold. And Jesus said, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. And when he was alone, those around him and with the twelve asked him about the parables. And he said to them, To you has been given the secret of the kingdom of God. But for those outside, everything is in parables, so that they may indeed see but not perceive. They may indeed hear but not understand, lest they should turn and be forgiven. And he said to them, Do you not understand this parable? How then will you understand all the parables? The sower sows the word. And these are the ones along the path where the word is sown. When they hear, Satan immediately comes and takes the word away that is sown in them. And these are the ones sown on rocky ground, the ones who, when they hear the word, immediately receive it with joy and then have no root in themselves but endure for a while. Then, when tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word, immediately they fall away. And others are the ones sown among the thorns. 
They are those who hear the word, but the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches and the desire for other things enter in and choke the word, and it proves unfruitful. But those that were sown on the good soil are the ones who hear the word, accept it, and bear fruit thirtyfold, sixtyfold, and a hundredfold. You may be seated. As you do, let me pray again for us. Oh, Father, help us to hear and listen and receive your word today, your word that tells us about the blessings and benefits of hearing and receiving your word and growing in it. Father, strengthen us during this time, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, things that grow large, big, are pretty remarkable, aren't they? Take, for instance, the world's largest pumpkin. Think of a number in your mind how much this one might have weighed. I'm not sure how it was that Brian and Kelsey Bryson from Ormstown, Canada, managed to get their 1,818-pound pumpkin to the Prince Edward Pumpkin Fest in Canada last fall, but that baby set a world record, you can guarantee it. Or how about trees? Out in California stands the General, Sir, General Sherman tree. I apologize to our diehard Southerners. That's just what they call the tree. It stands 275 feet tall, about 25 feet around, and estimated to have been in existence for 2,500 years. That's a tree that would get the Peters boys excited to climb, I think. Believe it or not, that's actually not the oldest plant organism off the coast of Spain in the Mediterranean Ocean. is a plant that extends four miles, and scientists estimate that thing's been around for 100,000 years. Things that grow big are remarkable, are impressive, draw our attention. And in these verses today, I want our attention to be drawn on the work that God can do in our lives through us, whether we can even fathom it or see it or have experienced even a little bit of it, that He can do of growth. The work that He can do, in fact, in our church of growth that's described here. Certainly we can look at these uh, verses through the the lens of God's sovereignty over the growth process. We can look at these verses through the lens of the struggle of the Christian life because you got, in case you didn't notice it, you got three soils where it's pretty tough, pretty slow going, and just one where it's seeming to have a lot of growth. So we could look at it through that lens. We could look through, at it through the evangelistic lens of sharing our faith with others and, and have some understanding why sometimes people receive the message of the gospel and sometimes they don't. Give us some perspective on that. But what I want us to focus in on today is just the beauty, the majesty, the grandeur of the growth that God desires and can do in our lives through the work of the gospel as we receive it, as we hear it and listen to it. 
Uh, many who are here today, and I'll say this, if you want to follow along in your worship guide, you can turn to the back couple of pages. We do have a section uh, there of notes that we'll especially get to in a minute in some specific attention. But uh, many of us today who are here probably want to grow spiritually, but if we're honest, we're not seeing the kind of growth that we would hope to see. This passage helps us understand a little bit why that would be the case. Uh, maybe some of us are growing a good bit, but even in that, probably know that there's more out there to be had, that the Lord has more for us. This passage will help us with that as well. Uh, some of us might be growing, but we're tempted to think that really we are the source of our growth. This passage gives a strong reminder that it's God and His Word planted in our lives that's the source of our growth. Others of us might look at this idea of tremendous spiritual growth and think uh, either that it's pie in the sky or there's no way I'd be able to get there, Chris, from where I am in my life now to this point. Wherever we are on this matter of spiritual growth, I invite you to dive in with the scene here. And in the few minutes that we have today, we're not going to have a lot of time to pick through all of this. I invite you to just meditate on this passage. There's so much here. In case you didn't notice, Jesus is kind of saying this is a foundational parable. You want to try to get this one, and then that can be a building point for you for getting the rest of his parables. Jump into the scene with me here, because it's kind of interesting when you think about it. The uh, verses 1 through 9 that I read, Jesus is delivering this parable. Bunch of people gathered together to hear it. And you can almost picture the disciples standing next to him saying, Go, Jesus. Preach that message, Jesus, to them. Go tell those people about it, Jesus. Go. Go get them. Preach that message. And then just a few minutes later, when they're gathered together, as verse 10 tells us, when they're alone with him, kind of those disciples leaning over to one another. Did you, did you know what he was talking I, Did you get the... He was talking confused as all get out as to what's going on, saying, Jesus, tell us what you're talking about. Teach us. Help us to understand these things. And so Jesus explains it, and he explains it to us today, too. He wants us to understand the things we don't understand. Some of them are reasonably straightforward. What's the seed? The seed, he says, is the word of God. That it's God's message contained, condensed in this reality that Jesus Christ comes into the world to save us who are lost and sinful, hopeless, without His mercy, and yet in Him can experience the love, the grace, the mercy of the living God. That's the central message of the Word, and that will bear fruit in our lives if we listen, if we receive it. So that's the seed, the sower. Uh, in most parables, Jesus doesn't readily identify it here, but in most of the parables, the person who's in charge, the master, the Lord, whoever it is in the parable, it's usually God. You can kind of default to that. But this one's interesting, of course, because we know, if we know a little bit about the Christian life, that we're also called, as God's people, to be those who participate in sowing the seed of the Word, in spreading the message of salvation in Christ. So, we participate with the ultimate. We're kind of junior apprentice sowers underneath the great sower. And then these four soil 
situations, which we heard described there in the passage. And what I want to jump to this morning is the importance of listening, hearing, receiving the word, because it's all over this passage. Did you see the very first thing that Jesus says in verse 3? He says, listen. And then he talks at the end of the parable. He says, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. He goes on down, and in verses, verse 15, he talks about each one of the soils, and he refers in verse 15, when they hear. In verse 16, on the rocky ground, when they hear. And then jump to verse 20, the fruitful ground, those who were sown on good soil, hear the word. Accept it and bear fruit. It's a very important thing for us spiritually, whether we've thought about it recently or not, to really be listening for God through His Word, to be attentive to it. We did, uh, we got a little story deal that we're doing uh, at night times at the Peters household over the dinner table. Dinner, dinner for the Peters boys lasts for about four and a half minutes. Four and a half minutes, in and out, may I be excused, bam. And so we're trying to lengthen that out a little bit, trying to get some discussion going, not just shove food in our mouths. So we've got a little book that the patient's got for us, and we're, we're going through it, and it's a book that has kind of themes. And so there's a creative theme, and you've got four or five things on it. You're supposed to do it for a week. There's faith as a theme, and there's some other themes on through. And, and the one we started out with, it's a good one, the book starts out with, was attentiveness. Attentiveness. You can see where this is headed. We started out on the attentiveness lesson, the lesson about being attentive. Within about five minutes, uh, Dad, and I'll admit I wasn't in the greatest mood that night, but Dad had, uh, some folks had lost dessert, some folks had gone to the room, some folks had sat on the steps, uh, all within the span of a few minutes, trying to help them be attentive to the lesson on attentiveness. So we all struggle with being attentive. And the Bible reminds us that one of the best skills we can learn, whether you're here and you're just exploring the things of the Christian faith and you you don't know what you believe about them, is just to begin to listen, to begin to open the Bible or to begin to go to a church or to get in a Bible study or sit down with somebody who you know is a Christian and, and just hear about who God is. And for those of us that are anywhere from there on to the point of feeling like God has really worked some maturity in us all the way along, fruitfulness comes in the kingdom through listening, through hearing God's word. Well, how do we do that? A couple of application points for us. One, we're called to do it immediately. Immediately. Because you see in the parable, Satan comes along and grabs that seed sometimes. And if it's not, begin to take into the soil and grow, then it's, it's plucked away easily. What does that mean for us? That means when we hear something, when we're reading the Scriptures, we don't just dismiss it. We don't set it aside. The Bible doesn't become for us a word. The Bible is the Word. It's God's truth for us. Let me say a little bit more about that. We're to receive it not just immediately, but deeply. The Scriptures remind us here that persecution or trouble will come. We don't face persecution like some people do, uh, probably not by force, but certainly intimidation and mockery of folks, even in our culture, for believing the Gospel is out there. And there's a reminder here that we, we can get a start 
on our spiritual journey. It's good to make a start on a spiritual journey by coming and making a profession of faith in Christ. But that's not the end of the journey. It reminds us here that that pressure of the world to conform back to its image can cause that plant to fizzle out underneath the heat of the scorching sun. So there's an invitation here to grow, not just grow, but grow deeply. And then lastly, as I mentioned just a minute ago, to to do so not just immediately deeply, but exclusively. To have God's Word not just be a word, but the Word that sits above us and we look to it for truth, for understanding about what life is, for our worldview, for what we should do, for our perspective, for how to make this decision. We look to God. We become those that are conformed to it, not as those who simply set it beside us or certainly as those who stand above it in some way. We're listening to God's Word. It's interesting. These verses talk about a few things, the cares of this world, the desires of wealth. It it, it should draw our attention that of all the things Jesus wants to tell us about that are really going to threaten to choke us, in one of the parables that's kind of the defining parable about spiritual growth, he only lists specifically two things, worry, cares, anxiety about this world, and desires for wealth, the riches. Those are things that are stranglers. And then he, it's interesting, Mark sort of puts this carte blanche in there. Desire for other things is the third thing he says, if you look in the passage. Desire for other things is kind of a broad category. Catch all. And it's just a reminder to us of this, that just about anything in our life, oftentimes really, really good things, precisely because of their goodness, can threaten to strangle our growth in the Lord. I listed just a few of those. I take these from uh, some material produced by Redeemer Presbyterian Church in New York, but they're in your worship guide. Uh, power, idolatry. These are all idols, things that we look to instead of God's word for growth and the truth of Christ and the value of Christ. Uh, life only has meaning. I've only got worth if I have power, influence over others. Approval, idolatry. I think we can understand that. Comfort, idolatry. Control. Here's a subtle one for us. Life only has meaning. I only have worth if I'm able to get mastery over this area of my life. I've got to control it. Not trusting God to control and direct it. Helping idolatry. Here's a good one for church plant world because probably a reason a lot of us get involved in something like this because we want to jump in, roll up our sleeves and help out. We're servant kind of people. Guess what? Believe it or not. If we look at it and say life only has meaning, I only have worth if people are dependent upon me and need me, that's moving us away from the Lord. That's making an idol out of our relationship with other people rather than really serving out of a heart to glorify God. The opposite of that, independence, idolatry, life's only going to have meaning if I'm free from any responsibilities to other people. Achievement, idolatry, materialism, and then a couple ones at the bottom. I guess we'll jump to the last one. I know none of us are thinking about this at all with the 18 phone calls that we're all getting from those uh, 800 numbers at uh, between 5 and 8 o'clock at, at night for the various candidates that are, I guess we've got an election coming up this week. Shocker. Uh, no way to know about it other than the 18 phone calls that are left on my machine every night. He reminds us as well in this material that 
uh, we can make an idol out of those things that life only has meaning. I'm only going to have worth if my political or social cause is making progress or ascending in influence or power. None of these things are really bad in themselves, right? I'm not going to get kicked out of some organization for uh, pursuing these things. The problem is, is they're, they're bad by themselves. They're not bad in themselves. They're bad by themselves when they become our life, our hope. And that's why Jesus says, watch out for those other things that will threaten to choke our growth. There's some diagnostic questions on your worship guide as well that I invite you to look at and ask yourself, in particular, one that jumps out to me that's a really challenging one. I'm not going to say this is an easy one. Letter E, I think it is listed as. What unanswered prayer would make me seriously think about turning away from God? That'll get at some of the things that threaten our growth in the Lord. Let me end with this. Because again, I want us to keep before us, we've looked at these things that challenge that growth. What I want to keep before us, though, because I think it's the best way to pursue growth, is the image, the picture of this 30, 60, 100 fold. And what I just want to invite us to again is wherever you are spiritually, on an individual basis, to realize that God has a purpose for you. God wants to work in your life this kind of growth that maybe you can't even think about, even if you're dreaming about spiritual growth and wanting about it, would exceed your hopes. 30, 60, 100-fold, you've probably heard sermons on it before. That's a lot. That's a lot for that time, to yield that amount. And what Jesus is saying is he can do immeasurably more than all we could ask or imagine. You know what? That's not just true for us individually. It's, It's easy to kind of individualize this stuff. That's true for us as a church family as well. And so I'd ask us today, do we, do we believe that for ourselves? And are we desirous of that for, for ourselves individually and for our church family? That we would see uh, us being a blessing and extending, us growing and maturing spiritually, us loving and serving one another, us reaching out into our community and around the world. That, that kind of growth, to me, is beautiful. The Lord would do that for us. As we would be faithful, this is a passage that brings together that sovereignty of God and that human responsibility. He's planting the seed. He's sending the word into the world. We wouldn't have Jesus if if he didn't come and wasn't sent. But then we're called as well to embrace the message, to receive it, to listen. Let us have ears to hear. Let's pray together. Oh, Father, we praise you that you have not left us in darkness and confusion uh, without understanding. But, Lord, you've been so pleased and gracious to send to us uh, your word, the word that reveals to us how we can have salvation, how we can grow in that, who you are, your love for us, how we can walk through this life with others around us, all that's held there and contained in your word, and we just ask, Lord, that you would instill within us, if the the desire for growth has grown very cold and dead for some of us, that you would revive it, even as we read these verses. Lord, for those that have maybe never tasted any of it, they would begin to see the beauty of it, 
for those that maybe feel like we are moving along the pathway, Lord, that you would just exceed even the vision that we have for our own selves of spiritual growth, and you would do the same for our church. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.